0: digging in the dome i'm chris the guy to my left is on the countdown to fatherhood at 45 years old and that is kevin yeah poor decisions Yeah, by me Yeah, well, <laughs> left it in that's your fault today uh
1: <laughs> we Indeed. welcome to the show i i blame makers mark
0: first of all <laughs> don't put it didn't. all on me yeah all right fair enough you just sue them not my fault so you can get some child support out of them so yeah, oh, uh, great. Uh, so we like to welcome to the show a uh, fantastic Boston-bred comic who now uh, calls East Village's home in New York City. He's an international headline act performing to sold-out rooms across the country, including the stage of Madison Square Garden, where he performed with the legendary and Practical Jokers, who also are his good buddies. His uh, album Jokes and Jams and his podcast, Tastes Funny, are available anywhere you get streaming contact. Content. Jesus Christ, I can't talk today. You can check him out at Moxie Hotel in East Village on Thursday, October the 21st, the New York Comedy Club at Grand Mercy on October 26th, and the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut with Myrrh of the Impractical Jokers on October 28th. Please welcome to the show, Jiggy. Jiggy, okay. welcome to D-
2: Digging in the dough. Give myself my own round of applauses.
0: Yay! Yes. Well, I didn't
2: have. <laughs> like- we'll, put, we'll put it in a post.
0: Oddly enough, I just released another interview with uh, a musician, and I, in fact, always put in the applause and post. Yeah, absolutely. Just like, Yay! And then you just hear silence, and yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> uh, so it's good to have you on
2: the on the show, man. Thank you so. Yeah, much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. So let's- I'm not. I'm not really anywhere. I'm home, but excited home. to be zooming. Yes, yeah, so you're zooming.
1: <laughs> we need to talk about important things. Uh, so. Uh, we fancy ourselves sports fans here and your, uh, your beloved Red Sox are, uh, are,
0: are they playing tonight?
2: No, Friday night, Friday night. Okay. Friday night. ALCS. That's that's a good question because he was in Boston and you were born there, right? Is that where you lived for most of your life? Yeah. Born, born and raised in Boston. And then I moved, uh, when I was 16 down to Florida, but I'm still like Boston sports through and through. I mean, yeah. and all my Boston friends would would hold my feet to the fire if anything changed. Yes. I'm sure
0: in, in the New York comedy scene, Joe Liss would punch you in the
2: square in the jaw <laughs> if he knew that you were abandoning them for the Yankees. Oh, man. No, I could never. I, ha- I actually have a Red Sox debit card, which gets me in more trouble in the city than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine.
1: Yeah, he's so use that at the
2: Yankees bars. <laughs> yeah, he was at you cross-eyed. Every sub, sandwich, pizza slice I've gotten in this town <laughs> has been for taken sure. three times as long. Yes, for sure. Spit on, um, man. Are you hope you. yes yeah. is. is that is that pepperoni? <laughs> it's <like a> <laughs> are all the slices in New York burnt to a crisp, or is <laughs> that just me? <laughs> Um, it's not very yeah, Boston go. sports fan last night, I watched the game. They advanced to the ALCS big day in my house. My fiance doesn't know anything about sports. So it was a, it was partially a learning experience of what was happening and me flipping out when they won in the bottom of the ninth. Has she not yeah. seen
0: you done that? Like flip out before? Like, so I, I like if you're uh, well I guess at this point if you're a football fan like the Brady thing you're just like ah, another championship whatever six who gives a shit or five I guess That's tough
2: yeah he's Tom a rel- Brady was that was the hardest thing <laughs> that I had to that was probably the hardest thing I went through in 2020 what, is losing him <laughs> to the <bus>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did anything else go on in twenty yeah. twenty? <laughs> anything else?
1: He's like, my grandma died of COVID, but whatever the Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, come on. You know, she, she only had a few years left on this planet. This <laughs> a shit. That was tough. That was like a break. That was like a serious breakup. Yeah. Oh, that's that, really that's like
1: a sobbing in the shower, like crying yeah. game moment for him. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> I know. The world's financial markets were tumbling. Everyone's yeah. sick around the world. And I was like, I was very, I was more upset about Brady for a couple of weeks there. I can't blame you. Can't blame you,
1: but uh, yeah, I, I brought up baseball because Chris and I are big baseball fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I feel like baseball's kind of had some hard times, at least in r- relation to it being th- probably the most popular sport or one of the most popular sports to kind of be in like third in the marching order now to NFL and and basketball. Um, but we're huge baseball fans, and and even I was like freaking out when Christian Vasquez hit that walk off yeah. um in the i guess it was the 11th the other night and like i don't think there's a, a better real sports experience
2: than like postseason baseball like yeah i mean baseball is a special thing because you're not on the clock you know so it, the game has a different cadence to it you know you're it's like I, for example the things i love about baseball is um the game within the game like even the even the stadiums fall into that you know every stadium is different yeah, a little every different ga- the length of the game is different every time um the matchups are different and it's uh, i don't know there's something special about that but but postseason baseball is really tough to beat you know and i think that some in some ways major league baseball is losing out because a lot of kids aren't playing as much baseball you know i think the sport is losing to like lacrosse yeah, in you know a lot of kids a lot of kids um who would be maybe like working to play varsity baseball in high school are just like quitting and going to play something that's a little bit faster pace that you can pick up faster. And, and like lacrosse, for example, is doing really well on like the high school level. So like, I think it starts like with kids, like just getting involved with baseball early again, but, uh, I don't know. This has been a pretty good year for baseball. I think with the, um, the dreams game was really, oh, really That was, cool. that was awesome,
0: it was so cool, and the, the way that it ended too was amazing. Like, it's just you know, you want to have those moments, and, and in that field, I could see them doing a lot more. Like, I, I think they're going to have a lot more games in that field now. Well, you know, the other sports are going
1: to do their own thing. Well, I mean, the NHL's been doing the outdoor games for a right. while. So that was kind of their thing. But now you're going to have like, yeah. they're going to like resurrect the Boston garden and yeah. have like, <laughs> yeah. have a basketball game.
2: There or they'll, or something they'll have like, like
0: that. a space jam in space. <laughs> since we can actually go into space now.
2: <laughs> they could do a, they could do a reenactment of little giants with little kids playing for the giants, but they wouldn't have to change anything.
0: The same team. <laughs> little giants. <laughs> yeah, oh, the little, I forgot g- the little I for-
2: giants game.
0: Yeah, they might They may fare better against the Cowboys and the <laughs> Man, they got they got their they got their asses kicked um, and lost a lot of players. It was a rough, rough weekend for uh, for for New York sports, I guess. Um, But so, you know, it it is it's cool. Like I I, I see a lot of those people that transplant over. We had um, uh, briefly on the show for a minute, Bob Kelly, who I know that he was an original Boston comic um, and and a lot of people transplant into New York. Like, what was that like? Just because I think Boston and New York are just two very different cities like very different cities in terms of just the pace and the the, the way that it's even structured is just way way different
2: yeah i mean i started in i grew up in boston so i have that like state of mind which i think there's like a there is like this like hardened like personality type that comes out of boston that makes for like great comedy like um bob kelly is like a good example Uh, i actually started in comedy in florida in orlando florida oh no kidding and then uh, I went to college down there. I actually played baseball in school. And, um, so I started in the Orlando scene and then came back up to New York. So like my, I don't really have any connection to the Boston scene at all. I've gone back and played there a bunch, Mm -hmm. uh, and done tons of shows, but sometimes like the city that you start, you it that's really your roots of how you learn to come up and the Orlando scene was great. I was lucky that like there was lots of places to perform and there uh, great comics come through there. It doesn't get enough credit, but it, it is a really good scene. And then when I felt like I wanted to graduate and take another challenge, New York seemed like the obvious choice. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big LA guy. Like I just don't feel like I fit in East Coast West Coast state of mind is like a real deal thing. Yeah it is it is interesting too cuz you
0: do see a very different like there's different cadences and and different like just styles in general like when people were at the comedy store in 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 LA and they, I mean, they're all very funny. It's not that I don't think that they're funny. It's just that, especially growing up on the East coast, it's kind of like the difference between East and West coast rap. It's like, there's a, there's a, a difference between the two, you know, and yeah. a distinct difference. And, and like, um, I, I mean, I, I love, there's a lot of LA comics that I think are great, but I mean, if if we had to like make a choice and you put a gun to my head, it would be New York all day. Like that's, it seems like exactly my kind
2: of my cup of tea. I think the, the way that you're trained and directly in, in the New York scene is like, it's everyone's doing, you know, you're getting eight to 15 minutes. 15 minutes is a stretch sometimes, but eight to yeah. 10 minutes, sets quick here spots. in the city. You got to yeah. do quick spots. Everything has to be quick. You don't have time to win over in a lot of small crowds. You know, so you have to, you have to be quick on your feed. You have to, you learn to get better at crowd work. Uh, you hone, <coughs> hone down your sets. Mm-hmm. so there's not as much wasted time where i don't i didn't really spend any time on the la scene but she seems like it's a little more light and breezy out there yeah yeah <laughs> it's, yeah It's just different it has like a more swaggy feel because they're just you know it's just different here is a little bit it's it's tougher in some ways easier in others there's more spots more places to perform That's but they're the shorter spots smaller places and so you really have to hone it in a different way i think cold winters hardened East coasters. I think
1: that part of the fact that, I mean, I think that's why Philly and Boston and New York people are the way they are is because they have to experience winter, uh, (laughs) and, and, bunching up your shoulders and doing all that shit. It makes you miserable for about five months out of the year. I think that's why that's the difference between like people from like the LA, like that East coast, West coast is that they're just, they're just hardened, you know, just,
0: carved out of glass well, yes. people but, abrasive yes and and, and they're miserable because they're freezing and, yeah, exactly <laughs> but as a counterpoint how would you like to go from spot to spot being chased by like roaming fire like just like ah <laughs> like that's the flaming building oh god that's where i was supposed to do my 10 10 o'clock spot but like What's i had good? a real hot set the other night I
1: okay.
2: oh, you did well no like the building was on fire <laughs> <laughs> that's great california is burning yes it's burning down yeah. There's, there is like that responsibility in, in the wintertime here, you're doing a show and like, you know, that the entire crowd came out bundled up, got a babysitter, it's snowing out and slipping on the sidewalks. Not a good time to like try some, you know, you know, what happened today you want to like fire off. You want to make sure all those shows are great. I don't know. There is something about the cold weather that makes you stronger. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. How, so like you mentioned, we mentioned the, um, you know, the unfortunate uh, departure of Tom Brady, but yes, for a, a period of around 18 months, we did have a pandemic that occurred, which is also pretty terrible. And, uh, you know, we talked to a lot of comics. We've we've had a lot of comics on the show and we asked them, like, what what did you do to like when you couldn't go and do spots, which is like your lifeblood? Typically, if you're like a, a road comic, what did you do to kind of stay sharp and and, you know, continue to be able to create?
2: Uh, At first I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I was sharp or doing anything. I mean, the first month was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I call that the great cancellation of 2020. I mean, that was, that was literally like mid-March to mid-April 2020. That was just email after email, after email, after text, after call of just gigs getting canceled. And Mm -hmm. like, um, not many rescheduling dates. So that was tough. And then it wasn't until for me, it wasn't until like mid April that I'm like, I got to do something. And so the first thing that I'd started to do even before I started to do shows is I did a, um, I started a daily like rant podcast called a comedian in quarantine. That was probably just for me, but every day I did it to kind of like <laughs> just get <document>. it out. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I did it for 70 straight days from wow. the beginning of mid-March through May or June, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was like, it honestly, it, it helped me get through the first few months just to have something that I made myself responsible for. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started to do things online, you know, and you I like with a, I did some yeah, I mean, I tried different types of things. um I quickly found that Zoom stand-up was not sweet. <laughs> I was like, That's pretty um, the sentiment is that no one really liked it. Yeah, well, it was a, a double edged sword. You're like, oh man, I really want to hear the laughter, and then you quickly unmute people, and people are like, dogs barking. And people are like, you know, their stoves are like the water's boiling on their stove, and yeah. people are yelling, "Where are you, Sandra? Sandra?" And you're like, right in the middle. It's horrible. You're like, so, oh no you have to have everyone muted. So I'm just like screaming to the abyss and in, in my kitchen. Yeah. Um, so I started doing a show called taste funny, which is a zoom cooking comedy show. And I'm still doing it now. i do it once a month um, where the crowd comes and watches a free show and the the idea of the show is to tell stories and be funny but also like i try to make a dish every episode and the audience tries to sabotage me so there's all (laughs) these different things the audience gets to choose um different ways they want to screw with me uh as i try to cook different things and they're all themed out shows so i actually found a nice community there people who would like to to watch and um it was great. And it still is carrying over to now, like we developed it into a television show, which oh, okay. uh, is in development now. And so I, that was kind of the light in, in the pandemic for me is kind of like, that was always a seed in my mind, but I didn't really have a chance to, to bloom into anything because I didn't have the time to sit with it. And then when I did, it turned into this virtual show, which adapted into a television show. So, um, you know, who knows it's it's uh who knows what will come from it but it it definitely got me through the year and um when i finally got back out to doing shows i mean the dust was thick on the oh it
0: was it was a hard to like just get back out there and like that first time on stage must have been like oh god
2: the (laughs) first show i did back first show i did back uh like a proper gig was april 2021 okay um because everything else, I did some spots at comedy clubs in the city, you know, spots here and there. But the first proper like road show I did was down in Orlando, Florida, for a men's golf tournament. Like after they played golf, so like oh, everyone, no. they're, all, they're all like ninety up. years yeah. old. Yeah, they're yeah. they're at least ninety years old. They got a prime rib station uh, buffet <laughs> bar. There's like 30 people scattered in a room. They're all like 45 feet away from me. They're all slopping down sloppy prime rib. And then they, it's like daylight and they have me go on and I haven't been on stage and there is no stage. I have a mic and like a, like a golf banquet room. Oh no. And man, I bombed so bad. It was so (laughs) bad. It was like, I was even listening to myself. I'm like, what the hell is this? (laughs) But, um, you know, it's so weird because like I'll take that set and like, I know that it's not good. You know, the, the hardest thing in comedy is like if you think it's going good and everyone is like, this guy sucks. This day is terrible. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't good. But then that later that weekend, you know, I, I headlined a club in Tampa and it was great. It was like a great set. So sometimes it takes longer than others. Like some bits took longer to get back than others uh, to find the words and the beats of all these jokes again and uh, to write new things and bring it back. And, um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting year and a half. Well, if you're going to sure. eat
0: shit, I guess it's best to do it in front of a bunch of people that really aren't your fans, like 90 year old boozed up golfers. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're, they're going to be around much longer to buy my know. albums. Anyway. <laughs> deathbed, don't listen to, Jiggy, <laughs> to Tell grandson. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, shit. You were better <laughs> in the podcast version of this. <laughs> so it speak, was, yeah, it was speaking of
1: eating. So what's your, so what's your food mm-hmm. background? Because yeah, Cr- say- Chris and I both, worked in the restaurant and bar business, uh, -hmm. our whole young adult lives, uh, you know, up until the point of when we actually got jobs, our job, like, like corporate jobs, our jobs were in the food industry. So were you, were you, did you come from like a background where you were a chef or working in a bar restaurant, or did you just have a affinity for cooking that you got just from your, your,
2: home uh the people you grew up with your family whatever like that um combination of a couple things my both my parents owned restaurants when i was growing up okay And my so on my dad's side of the family they've been in i guess you would call it foods or hospitality for you know going back 100 years so they you know my grandfather owned a food store um and his father owned a market. So like, and then my dad owned restaurants. So there's always been like kind of a line of like cooking or hospitality in the family, so to speak. Um, I never took to cooking or anything like that until I was in like my uh, mid twenties, but I got into, when I was in college, I got into hospitality. So I worked for luxury hotels. And then I think it was like the merging of just like, I don't know. I like, it's kind of all the same thing. You want to like treat people well, you want to like, you want people to feel good. It's like, comedy is it's it kind of all kind of goes together you know and yeah. uh and then i just kind of took to wanting to learn how to cook you know it started off just selfishly wanting to cook for dates <laughs> which, yeah, exactly. um, yeah. So it was like a place to learn i remember the one of the first dates i tried to cook for a girl was like this greek girl i took out on a date and she was really cute and i was like oh i'll call my grandmother to get like an armenian grape leaf recipe and see if we can make it together and i uh, brought her over to my house and we're trying to make these grape leaves it was like a Epic fail. Like, nothing <laughs> stays. <inside> the- <laughs> you're trying to roll a blunt, these things, like you <laughs> like, You know, she's dressed up for, like, a night out. I'm like, no, we're gonna be working tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your apron. This is more of um <laughs> Smock yeah, Right. So we're like, we're trying to roll these things. We put them in the pot, open the pot. It's just a soup of, of, of oh, um, no. rice and leaves. Um, I never spoke with her again. <laughs>
0: not, I, it didn't work out. It, That's it, not it, your it fiance. That's not, not what the, no. the way the story ends. Uh,
2: um, but anyway, I, like, I, I, and then I, I was like, well, I'd love to pair like comedy with cooking and I started to do these like live streaming things. And that led to doing some live cooking shows. Uh, mm-hmm. they were called cooking with Jiggy where I'd go to like your house and cook meals and do a show. Um, so that was kind of like what, what got me into this taste funny show, um, was from cooking through live streaming and, and, and then trying to polish it more into something that's a little bit more entertaining and less of me just not cooking well. Yes. (laughs) At least there's like, uh, there's like more interactive elements I should say. So, yeah. And it really came from my parents' love for cooking and and being around that. And then, you know, just wanted to... Yeah. This is how
0: it starts for all of us. I think like you, you get into all that and it's maybe one of the easiest industries to break into when you're a kid and you're like 14 or, you know, whatever age you start working, it's going to be retail. Or, um, I remember for like a minute, I, there was two things I did for like two seconds. One was newspaper, like doing the news, like paper boy thing. Um, that didn't work out for me for whatever reason, like the amount of ink actually made me vomit. (laughs) <laughs> like in like it, this made the smell made me throw up and I was like blah, throwing out the side of the van they were like you're fired um and then the other one was I worked for my dad and if you knew my like he was a plumber and he like and I'm not a handy guy at all like so he'd be like get me a screwdriver and I'd bring over a wrench and then he'd throw the wrench at me and said <laughs> no I said screwdriver it was not good so I, I feel like the the restaurant industry but it's definitely like Either growing up in that because you worked there or it worked in that industry or your, your parents had an affinity for it, and I think well, it was kind of both I, for me.
1: I see friends and 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 couples and stuff, and and maybe it's because of the pandemic, it's somewhat increased more. Um, where people that were so used to going out um, and and going to restaurants and and or eating out and stuff like that were kind of forced into all right, well it's either we got to order takeout constantly, or we're going to have to learn how to cook or become better cooks. So that's why I asked him, I was like, uh, you know, there, is it, is it a passion thing or, or was it out
2: of necessity? That's kind of what, what I was wanted to know. A little bit, a little bit of both. Right. But I did a lot of like odd jobs too, like um, that are kind of around like the food industry. Like my first, uh First job that I really loved was I was in college and I was a cabana boy for a luxury hotel.
1: Yeah, (laughs) hell yeah,
2: dude! Yes, I can't tell you how much I I really, really love that job. Like, (laughs) I would be on the pool deck all day. I was on the pool deck in this like little polo shirt with a bathing suit, and then my job was to go around and like put sunscreen on ladies or like give them like fresh melon balls and oh like shit God. like that. It was the best. Yeah. That, uh, that, cool. was, was that your nickname? Melon balls? <laughs> melon balls. <laughs> that's melon. actually, Here I still hold balls. on to it. You can call me Jiggy or just melon balls. <laughs> for short, if you want to make it quick. Yeah, hey, what's MB's, up? MB's, yeah. What was the movie
1: the with, uh, <laughs> it was uh, McDreamy, whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, oh uh, Patrick Dempsey? Yeah, wasn't there a Patrick Dempsey movie where he was like a cabana boy and he was just like,
0: was called. it he was, was like banging all the Old yeah, he was that yeah, were- he was uh, can't buy me love was that what, that the one I don't know was it, I, it I, might have I, been I,
1: you're the movie guy like Can't I'm, buy I'm me love or Lover Boy but I know there's the a Patrick Dempsey movie where he was a he was a Cabana
2: boy yeah I think that was either Can't buy me love or Lover Boy now I have to Google it you it fool. was a so, it was a fun summer I graduated to lifeguard after that never as fun I, I, I don't <laughs> don't like this. people drowning everywhere
0: You're like ah oh, why why can't I just
2: spray <laughs> suntan <laughs> so you go like this when they're in no, the I'm water. on the slide like doing slide duty at a resort hotel like telling little kids when they go down the slide it was bring me Back to the melon ball days. I mean, <laughs> yes. that sounds like, yeah. He's
1: like lobbing like melon, melon balls at them, it's flotation devices.
0: I was correct. It's can't find me. Luck. Okay. Yeah, well done. On the first try. Yes. Um, so you so you obviously you you're like really well in connected with the impractical jokers. How did you get started with those guys? Because you, I mean, obviously um you do do a lot with them, including play Madison Square Garden, which is amazing. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I, um, I got lucky. I I just, uh, I was doing stand up in Florida and, uh, that was my home base, the Orlando improv, which I still go back and play. Um, and so I was one of the house MCs there. So I'd play there all the time. And there was one weekend where their uh, tour manager came in on a Sunday night and saw me perform and thought I might be a good fit for this group that he represented. Um, and I had no idea who they were. They would, they, I think they were maybe on season two of the show. Mm Um, but, and they were thinking about touring and they had done a a few shows here or there. And then, so I got paired up with them. I, he called me a few months later and was like, Hey, there's a fallout for a show in Boston. I know you're from there. Would you want to do it? And that first show I did with them was at the Wilbur theater. in uh, I want to say July or August of 2013. And I've been touring with them ever since. And I've been in their movies, some of their TV shows and, uh, collaborate on a bunch of projects. So they've always been, uh, great to me and always throw, throw anything, uh, always an open ear to hear what crazy things melon balls has to say. About- <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you do like writing for them or like, and I
0: know that you were in the movie um, and, and also uh, you've been involved in the TV show too, right? Like in, 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 in certain um...
2: yeah, I've had like some cameos in some of the yeah. shows, most of the stuff I do is involved with the tour. Um, right. But, and then individually with some of the guys I've done various projects, like uh, either one-off shows with, uh, like Q and I did a series uh, called Q and A, uh, that was kind of fun. And okay. uh, James and I are doing a series now called Mer Live, where it's him and I. It's ninety minutes, kind of. Uh, it's kind of like a Q and A plus, but it's him and I. Uh, riffing, telling jokes, doing stand up, and also doing a QA. Um, Joe and I have done uh, Jiggy and Joe in robes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jiggy and so Joe in robes, robes, which is <laughs> that's great. What a, what a wonderful you're gonna visual. Gonna believe this, but, but Joe and I are in robes. That's <laughs> I, I mean, it sounds about right. It's fun. Uh, yeah. so it's fun. I mean, those guys are they're uh, they're also different, which is something that I think people who watch are fans of the show. I think you would understand or or you would expect, but they really are very, very different individually. Mm -hmm. So that goes down to like, you know, all their interests. I mean, they couldn't be more different. So, I've had fun like collaborating with them individually, but also as a group. And um, it's been fun to see how much their career has escalated. Mine stayed the same, but theirs has Oh, escalated. yeah. You're like, all right, well, guys, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey so the, They've gone the bigger and bigger. I've yes. stayed very consistent. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, they're, it, they're great.
0: It actually, because uh, um, Sal does uh, a food show with Joe DeRosa called Taste Buds, I think, right? Where they, right. they basically argue over like, they have like two – uh food and they're basically saying which one's better and they each take a side and it gets actually really violent (laughs) very 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 heated uh because joe
2: yes go ahead sorry a lot of that stems from our um our tour bus discussions which was you know we spent you know a, a lot of time on tour buses in between cities and believe it or not like the number one thing that we'd argue about is these little food debates and um I know for a fact that like, I think Joe DeRosa got caught in one of these food fights mm-hmm. when we were on the impractical jokers cruise. And I think during quarantine or during 2020, they, they turned that concept into a podcast, which is great. It's a great idea, but it's really funny to watch grown men, whether it be the guys on the tour bus or through the podcast, like really take a position on like Oreo cookies and defend <laughs> yeah, they,
0: to the death. They, they literally, it's like, it's literally like seeing like two people that are on opposite sides of the political spectrum, get into it, like, like hard. I think they're like, no fucking English muffin. There was one where they were talking about um, making sandwiches on English muffins and Joe DeRosa looked at Sal with absolute disgust. It was, (laughs) he was, he was furious Well, because Joe has that sandwich shop that he's opening up, Joey Rose's, which um, I think it started in the stand. I'm not sure if that's where it's staying, but um, now he's like a restaurateur, Joe DeRosa restaurateur, which is interesting.
2: Yeah. And the sandwiches are great, by the way, if you guys ever ever stopped by, uh, definitely stop by the stand. I think he's doing it as a lunch counter type thing there. And it's great. I went and had, uh, the sandwiches are awesome. You yeah. know, he knows what he's doing over there. But he's got skills. That's for sure. So in working with those guys,
1: have you ever encountered a a situation where things got dicey or like, you know, fucking with people can be uh, uh, a, a very uh, zero sum game, especially in New York where it's a whole different kind of crazy there. Have you ever had a situation where you're like, maybe this isn't the best idea or we shouldn't do this (laughs) um, or run into some, some sort of issue where someone was less than happy about of, of, of how things went down.
2: See, I don't spend that much time with them on set. I know for a fact though that they've had some issues with people I mean it's a numbers game if you're gonna i mean they must have had thousands of interactions with the public. I'd say that they have a pretty low altercation rate because they're so charismatic and most of the stuff is like pretty likable or on them. you know the joke is always kind of on them right yeah so I know that they've only had a few like their their batting average for <laughs> for getting hit in the face is like very low. <laughs> <That is happening. laughs> <laughs> Under the they're, they're batting line. like they're batting like 0.01 on but they've had some things i know just anecdotally hearing like you know i think james one time got like hit in the face with some guy's cell phone who didn't like <laughs> you know or usually you don't see that on the show because they don't sign the releases right so they, it doesn't make it in there but it's it's all pretty much in good fun i'm actually surprised in the other end of the spectrum that they don't get into more problems um you know with more people getting upset but everyone pretty much like I think it's the way that their humor is set up, and the way that the bits are kind of like uh, set up, where most of them, the joke is on them, not right. on the public. That's yeah, kind that, of like a-
0: uh, the other thing is they've become beloved now. Like it's not like if if it's they've been around for so long, they've been doing the show for so long, everybody knows the Impractical Jokers. They play it literally like on a loop on true tv for like hours in a day so it's it's hard to not be like okay well because you'll recognize them or realize that yeah, oh, okay this is not but i guess you know starting off that must be really really challenging no one knows you from adam and that you're like oh, i'm gonna fuck with you he's like oh yeah oh, i'll show you yeah i, 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 remember, I you. remember hearing eric andre
1: on a podcast talking about how like he thought he was gonna die during one of his bits where like yeah, this hardcore. dude pulled a knife out on him like and it's like yeah you know what i'm not gonna I'm not going to fuck with people for a
2: living. <laughs> I know, and it really depends on what the joke is. I see, you know what? I see a lot of kids doing stuff now on TikTok, where I'm like, I don't know how the hell they're doing this, you know. And that's like low stakes, where it's like you're going to make a video for TikTok. Like, if you get like if you get punched in the face for a TikTok yeah. video, at least at least if you're going to do something for TV, you'd be like, well, at the end of the day, at least it's going to be seen by a million people, or whatever. But right. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But th- they've had very very little run-ins with that, uh, from what I've from what I've heard uh, concerning how much they've done with the public, you know?
0: Right. And you were doing, but when you were, um, I guess, starting to like kind of break in with those, you were, did you do a lot of, um, like warm up and stuff like that for those guys on those tours or you, and you do, you do sets and, and you headline and stuff like that. So you're going through or, um, which is pretty cool. So you get to ha- like, you get to road, tour with the impractical jokers and that's gotta be like a really awesome experience too. Just
2: cause yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it opens, it opened up so many doors for me and continues to do so. I mean, I'm playing rooms that I would never play, you know, until you get to like, you have their level of fame, but I get to experience, get a taste of that. It's, it's kind of like analogous to like if you're a college baseball player and then you get to like pinch hit for the Red Sox every once in a while, you know, you get to play in that stadium. Um, don't get the same money, but you get to play in the state. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: They're not going to pay. Oh, we're not going to pay the yeah. same, Well,
2: maybe but, Chris, uh, maybe the Phillies will have a chase style balls one day, <laughs> but it's fun. Man. It, it, <laughs> and, you know, a lot of, I can't even tell you how many times that I've played an arena in a town mm-hmm. uh, with them. And then the next day I'll play <laughs> like a country bar. <laughs> you right. know, it's like, like it, ah, there's nine it, people here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's pretty interesting. I get to see all, all sides of, of comedy, but it's definitely kind of trained me to like, how to think about sets on a bigger scale. And, you know, we're all kind of chasing that. And I think comedy is, um, it's a never ending quest to get better, which is why I love it. It's kind of like the golf of entertainment sort of like you never really reach, you never done learning and growing. So, uh, but yeah, seeing how those guys have continued to grow and from going from small theaters and comedy clubs up to arenas, is like, it's been amazing to to watch it and be a part of it in the, in the small way that I have.
1: Well, we're, we're in the suburbs of Philadelphia and we had, uh, the now guitar player for candlebox uh who were friends with our band back in the early 2000s had played with his band that he was in in the 2000s and you know he talked about on our podcast about going from playing like uh like a cover acoustic set at a sports bar in King of Prussia Pennsylvania to you know maybe like 30 40 people and then literally getting on a plane and the next day, being play, being playing in front of 30,000 people, yeah, it's and nice. just like it has to be such a like a weird paradigm shift for like both, both for you to like mentally
2: adjust, and then also have to adjust your material too to, to the to the size of the crowd you're playing. Yeah, sure, and and I think one thing that um, I think in music it's the same thing is that so much of what I do is you know, the writing and performing is what everyone sees. But then there's a whole nother side of it, which is the back end, which is like the booking and the outreach and the rejection and all that stuff, which is occupies most of my day, you know, which is just trying <laughs> to get to places to, to do what I love to do. And and a lot of that is dealing with like the rejection. And that was, that's been interesting over these years that I've been working with them. Is like, I've literally like, I've gone and played like Madison square garden and then got like I've had a comedy club that seats eighty five people. Be like, well, I don't think you're ready for our club. <laughs>
0: it's like insane. I, in I was just, in, I was in Marissa Square Garden. There was a lot of yeah, people. That's there. such a that's
2: such a mind fuck, yeah, I was man. Like, God, like what the f- yeah, Jesus Christ, man. That's insane. But it, it happens all the time, and you, and you just have to take it with uh, with a grain of salt. You know, yeah. Everyone's trying to the whole business is trying to sell seats, and they all everyone has what an answer for what they want at their place. But it definitely humbles you. You know what I mean? Like there's no, nothing is for sure. Nothing is automatic in comedy or anything in entertainment. So seeing all sides of it, the way that I have, is, I think put me in a position where hopefully when I get to a place where, um, I'm selling more of my own tickets, uh, I'll appreciate that in, in a way that yeah. I think seeing all sides of it and having that rejection helps, you know,
1: well, you, you yeah, we you can we could commiserate because we were, we were in a band and our band oh, was on Christ. the same trajectory as uh, you know, a guy who is now in Candlebox, yes. and we're, you know, we were not in Candlebox. No, <laughs> we're, no, we were, we were we were selling you? boxes of candles. No, trying to make ends meet. I stole boxes of candles. <laughs> so I'd like, stole. it's it's it, it's it. And you talked about the impractical jokers. You see their career go like that, and then you're you're kind of like steady. You know, it it, it it's it takes a lot of. Uh, the grind as they call it to, to do that in entertainment. So we're certainly appreciative of that, that type of mentality where you just go after what's available and, and, and do the best
2: that you can. And it's, it's certainly relatable. Absolutely. Yeah. A a lot of it's what I try to explain to people, what entertainment feels like to me is like, you're in, you're on a life raft in an ocean full of nose (laughs) <laughs> and you're just like looking for one rowboat in this ocean of a yes, you know, and, and it's, it's, really, sometimes it feels like you're the only person out there. Um, so, but you have to have, if you don't have the faith that there is that rowboat that is that there is that yes out there, then, um, it can get really frustrating. That's what a lot of people it's, it's tough. You know, you gotta, you gotta really continue at it and and fight through it. We yeah. find like
1: you saw, especially with the pandemic, people kind of have to, shift their mentality, shift their thinking, shift the way they do things. We live right around the corner from a, from a comedy club called soul Joel's, which yeah, you oh yeah. may have heard of now. Yeah, yeah, So they thought completely outside of the box. They're like, let's take this shitty empty field in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania um, and dump a bunch of beach sand in there and make a comedy club there. And it worked somehow. It yeah, worked. worked. It was a total outside of the box. Like Brilliant. you're out there freezing your ass off on at some of the gigs. Like y- it was, it, it was such a different mentality that I had to take, and it absolutely worked for them. And the only reason it worked for them was because they thought way outside of the box. Yeah, that, because I no thinking about that. Didn't even have that dome to
0: start. Remember, like yeah. when I first went there, it was just an op- Literally, it was. An
1: next open field train, with
0: with with keros- like kerosene heaters, big yeah. propane heaters. <laughs> you would you, yeah. you seriously would think like if you just went there, sight unseen, you'd be like, someone's taking me out here to kill me.
1: Oh, it was ne- and it's next or, to train, train tracks. tracks. It's like it's <laughs>
0: like. Yeah, every once in a while, it's like, Rrr! like someone's like, <laughs> like, am
1: I playing to a bunch of hobos? Like what if, <laughs> fuck, a fucking boxcar willy down here. What uh, the fuck? I'll say there
2: was a, there's a, there was a good amount of time, uh, months and months and months where Soul Joes was arguably the center of the comedy universe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't think that there was anywhere else in the world that was doing more stand up than at soul Joe's. There was a couple of places in Connecticut that was doing outdoor shows. There was a couple of clubs that were open, but at limited capacity, but, uh, soul Joe's, I give them a lot of credit for innovating and, um, and there was other shows going on in the country, but soul Joe's for a period there was the most consistent epicenter of stand up comedy in the country and maybe even the world. Seriously.
1: Yeah. Kind of crazy. And they were having ridiculous acts show up. Oh we were God. like, what the fuck's Louis C.K. K- doing? Casey it's fucking here. worse for yeah. right now. <laughs> Andrew Dice yeah.
0: plays there like three times. It's like, it's crazy. And, and a lot of those guys, too, they would tell you, like, just honestly, they'd be like, um, Steve Byrne was there and he was like, Look, he's like, Am I thrilled to be in a field in Royersford, Pennsylvania with 300, probably like, you know, guys that want to uh, uh, like kill me after this show? No, I'm not. But I got to work my stuff out. So you guys be cool, please, and not like try to shank me after this.
1: Because um, I'm sure you heard about when they, Somebody dragged Big Jay off oh, of the stage. Oh, yeah.
2: Jesus Christ. I saw the video. Yeah. Wild. <laughs>
0: so,
1: yeah, yeah p- people, again, hardened, cold people on yes. the East Coast here. <laughs> yeah.
0: You might get pulled off of a stage <laughs> exactly. if you're not careful. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, and Jay's really good at crowd work, too. So I think that that's one of those things like he would go the last time I saw him there. Actually, I saw him. He did a live Legion of Gangster*, but the one time before that he was doing a stand up set and he said, I'm just going to do all crowd work and he killed. He's so good. It's got to be like, and you mentioned doing that, like really honing that skill. Did, did being, starting an improv, because I think that's kind of where you started, right? In an improv troupe, Did starting mm-hmm. improv help you build that muscle to be able to like on the fly, just talk about the crowd and make it fun and, and not, you know, have them take it too seriously?
2: I mean, I think crowd work and stand up is a lot different than improv because, like, I feel like the crowds in stand up are drunker and like create, Like an improv yeah, crowd right. seems like they're so. I've been to improv shows and I'm like, this is this crowd's like very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that does- that doesn't happen. That in comedy shows, yeah. Like improv shows, everyone's like, uh, it's a completely different feeling. I think stand up, honestly, is like you got to do a lot of like late nights. You got to deal with a lot of drunk people. You got to know how to handle the bachelorette person. You got to mm-hmm. handle like the work crowd. With, like five guys and one alpha who wants to scream stuff out in his uh in his uh you know Patagonia vest and Ugh. it's it's you got to handle the drunk woman in the front who drinks too much and like believe it or not you go around the country and like the characters don't change much the accents do yeah. <laughs> the heck the heckler in <laughs> Alabama is a lot different than the one in North Dakota but it was similar and you're seeing a lot of similar stuff and i think that's why um someone like big j is like he's so excellent because i i bet if you asked him it's a lot of the similar types of people, you know, I think you do kind of like hone that muscle of how to work that room. that's in a comedy club and, and have quick responses and, and um, but also just being like, kind of like well-read on what's going on in the world and having like a good vocabulary, all that type of stuff really helps. I'm not, that I'm not even close to I would never call myself good at crowd work. I I I I call myself I survive it. Like I feel yes. like I can survive <laughs> great. like I can get through and I can pivot back into my material. Some folks like um Aaron Berg, uh Big J, mm-hmm. um there's a handful of guys who are like are really, really like craftsmen of crowd work. Um and Big J, I think would be up there as like one of the best that I, I've ever seen live for sure.
0: Yeah, he did two. I think he did two, or he did two crowd work albums, and both of them are front to back hilarious. It's it's like the funniest shit ever, and it's great. It's like it's it's something that's enviable when you see somebody that is that good at comedy. You're just like, wow, like you know, if I could ever be a a a tenth of that funny, I'd be thrilled.
2: And no, it's a uh, funny reference, and it's it's a um, it's a deep cut for comedy fans. But if you want someone who, who. one of the best comedy albums of all time. And I just listened to it recently because I've revisited it at least once or twice a year is Andrew Dice Clay's uh, the day the laughter. Died. Oh, oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. And it's, I wouldn't even say that he's great at crowd work. I almost no. think that he's not good at crowd work and what it's, but he doesn't back down from his personality. And it's like a two hour album of him at like midnight at danger with like 11 people and it's one of my favorite things to listen to because of like the stones to put it out, uh, at the peak of his popularity. Uh, and it's just like, it's a deep cut for comedy fans because it's like, it's not the best album, but for some reason it's like, it's brilliant because it's, of how not good. It is.
0: Yeah. It's unique in that way. And you're like, wow. Like, like, again, to your point, he's putting it out there and you just, you're almost, you have to marvel at someone who, especially when they're, they're, they're getting that kind of reaction or lack thereof, just keep on going. You know what I mean? It's just like what. <laughs> that's, that's
1: how we feel about
0: this podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I,
2: I think a, uh, maybe at bad. one point. <laughs> uh, at one point, I think it's like thirty-five minutes into this album, a woman just stands up, and goes, "You're an asshole," and leaves. Yeah, like, and it's just it's so good. It's like yeah. the best. Yeah, it's great. That, that is that
0: is a deep cut and a really good one. And um, yeah, I, I can see why you like that. Um, I was going to actually uh, also ask you, like, so you record tastes funny at the Friars Club. So Friars Club, legendary place to, to be able to, 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 to do that. So, um, what's that like, like how did you get there and like, how did you, how did you get the show to be able to be, to, to, to be recorded there? Like, how did you make that happen?
2: Uh, well, the Friars Club, I got asked to do a show there, um, in 2016, I think. And, um, so I got asked to do a show from a fellow comic, and, uh, I walked in, I'm like, I definitely want to be a part of this. I don't know what I have to do. And I, yeah. you know, just by the end of that night I had my application and I was like ready to go down the road of being a friar. I was just, I feel, I consider myself like kind of an old soul and the it's, I love the history and it, it was inspiring to be there. And so I, I joined, I brought a show there called the vault, which is a monthly show that I'm hoping to bring back soon. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm I'm trying to like continually, bring them up to date in some ways. And a podcast is something that didn't really cross their mind as a possibility. They were very open to what that could be and what that could be like. And now as the club reopens, uh, they're developing a little space for podcast recording. So oh, that's awesome. It wouldn't just be my show. It'd be kind of a net, maybe short of a network, but maybe a, a group of, of shows that would be recorded there. So um, yeah, it's, it's an inspiring place. It's a great place to, to, to be, to be a member of and to to record or do anything. So, um, but yeah, it just came from just first, first invite, first time I walked through the doors, I was just like, whatever I have to do to become a member here, I will go through any hoop. Yes. And, um, They're like, well, and he's
0: unzipping his pants. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't thinking we that. heard about your nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Melon, balls, <exactly. laughs> Melon balls with a Z. Yeah. He's like, put that cabana shirt back on and come back in here. You're like, mm. <laughs> all right. got to yeah. do what I got to do. I really want this.
1: <laughs> I want this Friars gig.
0: So, I mean, like, but did you like, is it one of those situations? So you're applying for it. Now I'm, I'm guessing that you get into the Friars and then there's a period of time in which you're kind of acclimating and like, what point do you go and do you just go to the owner or somebody and say, Hey, I got an idea. You just kind of float it out there and see how people react to it. Like, how did that? That's, that's awesome! Like that, you could do that at that club. It just doesn't, to your point, doesn't seem like it is like it matches. But that's really cool.
2: Well, the the director of programs at the time was one of uh, the people who sponsored me into the club when he. Oh, that's awesome! Night. Oh, so that's great. He, I already I had an in with someone who was pitching ideas for shows and, and things right away, uh, and being on the younger side basically under 70, like made me stand out in the club anyway. So I think they were kind of their ears perked up or whatever they could, or hearing aids perked up. whatever. They, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Burned what did he say? Exactly. What did melon Ball say? Yes. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I've, I've pitched a bunch of things there and they've taken up a lot of my suggestions, which I, you know, it's nice to be a part of like creating anything, especially at, with a, a club with such a history. I actually, uh, they brought me, I actually roasted, I think maybe the last time he got roasted, I I roasted Larry King on his birthday. Oh, wow.
0: That's awesome. Oh my God.
2: So you killed Larry King?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Roasted him good. (laughs) Actually, uh, this is a total non-sequitur, but it's still very funny. Um, It was funny at the moment. It's not a funny situation, but I was on another podcast and I was talking to their host and, um, they were, and he was talking about something. He's like, and he's like, yeah, just like Larry King. And I was like, oh, Larry King died today. Can you believe that? He's like, what? And like, <laughs> he, he got visibly upset. Yeah, Chris didn't know it was like one of his like idols. Right. I was and like, like the reason
1: he got into like being like a podcast. But, like
0: but it was a brilliant podcast moment because of his reaction was so real. And I was just like, oh man, it's okay. I'm sorry. I, like, <laughs> it was like the Simpsons when Ralph
1: has a crush on Lisa <laughs> and Lisa yeah. tells his him heart, live uh, on uh, Krusty's show that he's that he she, she doesn't like him yeah. <laughs> physically see his heartbreak yeah, like, <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, he was very like upset.
0: His eyes were welling up. I was like, oh, sorry, buddy. Um, but yeah, uh, it's but, a crazy night, but that's great. That's great for you to be able to, to do that. And uh, you know, are they still doing a lot of those roasts there now? Like, I, I know that do they is that a re- relatively regular thing? It seems to be, um, it had been.
2: Yeah. They were, I mean, they were doing yearly ones. Um, and yeah, they're, they're coming back in 2022. So obviously it's been a little while, but 2022, they're going to come back. I think they're going to make an announcement soon. Um, when that's going to be so, uh, yeah, I mean the roasts kind of like anchor the whole year for the club. Everyone kind of rallies behind that. It's it's mm-hmm. a big, you know, it, it puts yeah. the club in the national spotlight. Uh, and then the the daily operations is, um, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, a golf member club without a golf course, you know, you go, you right. eat, you, you bring your laptop and work. And, um, so it's been a great, great part of my, you know, it's like my office is uh, the, Friars the Friars club, club where well, I work.
0: It's cool too. I'm sure that you made a, like a lot of crazy connections there. Like with a lot of people that are, that are in the industry that, that you didn't have <laughs> connections with previously you're like, I'm like, this is great. If I'm going to be anywhere, let me be amongst these people. So that maybe like when opportunity knocks, one of the things that's been consistent about the people that we've interviewed, um, up to this point, And, you know, we've been doing this podcast for a year and a few months, like five or a yeah, year
1: times, and a half. Something like
0: that. Um, is, and we've gotten a lot of great guests in a very short period of time, including you. Um, and w- one of the things that's been really consistent is that serendipity has a lot to do with success. Like it's the moments that you're in places like Brian Quinn, the, the Candlebox guitarist was playing some kind of a show and he like was ripping it up on the guitar and the lead singer from Candlebox came over and said, Hey, let's do something together. Like you, like you said, you had that, uh, that moment with the impractical jokers, Uh, we just interviewed a musician the other day. He like, um, he, he uh, just collaborated with fat boy and he got it, got it through DJ bonics. Who's Wiz Khalifa's DJ. And it's just like some of these moments, there's moments in time where you actually are able to, to, to it's, it's, there's like that one moment. It's not, things don't always set up outside of not having that moment. You know what I mean? Like you don't see a lot of just people building up. It's always somebody helped you get through it, that's, that's really cool and very consistent. It seems like with people that are Um, you know, I think
2: a a lot of it and I'm still learning too, is like, you just got to put yourself in, in places like literal physical places places and positions to get seen or, or get the things that you want. You know, I think it's, um, I think that's one thing that I've learned is, you know, a lot of it is just putting yourself in the, and working as much as you can to put yourself in places where things can happen and uh, throwing a lot of stuff against the wall, you know, and that I'm, I'm constantly doing that even to this day, you know, it's I'm an idea machine. So you never know what, what is going to be like that thing, if, whether it's one night at the club or one night here or one night there. Like that that night, I swear, when I met the Joker's manager, was a Sunday night with like 40 people at the That's Orlando Crazy. Improv, which I would have said it was an, a throwaway night in my life. Like I'm never going to remember this night. And it it totally changed my trajectory. So you just really never know. But I'm, but it's taking those gigs, is it's saying yes to those gigs would maybe not be the best that maybe turn into something. You never know.
1: Yeah. When you talk about bad gigs you talked about you know the the gig at the golf course coming out of the pandemic <laughs> and, you know,
0: uh, what you let's go back to that <laughs> let's talk about that for another 40
1: minutes <laughs> and you talk about like what you thought would be a throwaway night i remember i uh my company i worked in manhattan for three and a half years and my company at the time we had our uh uh work sponsored event and they basically rented out Carol Lyons and had a comedian perform for like our crowd. And like, as soon as the comedian went, like I can't even remember who it was, but he went on stage and he was like, I immediately regret my choice do- <laughs> of doing this gig. This is going to be a disaster. Um, <laughs> see, cause it it's like you're, you're in bunch front of a bunch of, Corporate stooges. They don't know what their, you don't know what their reaction. You can't really work. Bl- you don't, can I work blue? Can I not work blue? How much can I get away with here with yeah. these people? And you can just see the regret on his face, the entire set. And, uh, and you know what, go ahead. Go, no, please. I was going to say, is there anything like that where you're like, I, I uh, doing, you know the engagements that you have done are there ones that you remember or like so bad that you regret it or uh, or are they all just building blocks for you um besides
2: the golf course one I have a couple of golf courses that were just too bad <laughs> um, multiple seriously. You should probably stay away from those honestly you know what is is so bizarre and I think it's a unique thing for stand-up comedy particularly because I don't know if it translates to music but there's something as you were saying and I'm like man the one thing that's consistent with all these hell gigs um, is like, it's never really, it, it can be really challenging to perform in front of a group that all knows each other for whatever reason. And yeah, interesting. that could yeah. be like, if you go, if I perform at like your work function and everyone there is from the same office, that's a real uphill battle. Because I think that like you're fighting like the inner workings of the office personalities and like, I, you know, people feel like, oh, I don't want to laugh too hard at that joke. Exactly. Jar is going to be there. And yeah. there's something about the being anonymous in a comedy club with just you and your f- girl or you and your friends or whatever that makes those nights so much better. And like, even doing like bachelor parties or bachelor parties, there's some of the worst gigs. Cause like oh, you're, yeah. everyone wants to be in on the joke. Everyone wants to make each other like, so it's tough. Like, and I've another golf course gig I did pre pandemic, right before the pandemic, I go all the way out to new, I'm way out in the sticks mm-hmm. in New Jersey, another golf course gig. I'm swear to God. It was like, anytime there's prime rib, I should just run the <laughs> <laughs> prime rib and a lot of teas. those little white teas. Yeah. I, stay the, away. I go, I, I go into the gig and like it's set up. I know, the, I know the setup is going to be horrible. It's a similar buffet type situation here. Right. So then I talk. I'm talking to this kid and he's in HR with this company. And it's one of those, it's all the same company. Mm-hmm they come off the golf course. They're all half in the bag. I'm talking to this guy. He seems like he's my age. He's like an HR nice kid. I start into this set and then this guy starts screaming at me and heckling me from the back of the room. And it's like the nice HR guy who just, he, this is the first time in my career I ever saw this. He's heckling from the back of the room, stands up, moves closer to me so he can heckle more clearly. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. He's like, I don't think you're getting the things that I'm yelling at you.
2: So I'm going to move uh, up closer, ruin your set more. It was it was brutal. Dick. It was one of the only times where I walked off stage. I didn't even say anything to anyone. I walked directly into an Uber. It's like a hundred dollar Uber to get back home. And I'm just like, whatever you're, it you're takes. You're on stage. You're, <laughs> yeah, we didn't like we didn't we didn't light you yet.
0: I know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We didn't even I'm pay you here. yet. <laughs> it was okay. one of those,
2: it was one of those nights I'm like, you guys paid me to be here. Yeah. <laughs> why why are you guys yelling at me? You picked me.
0: Yes. Um, you're setting me up to fail. This is terrible. Yeah, it's like he said, he's like
1: some people, especially if they're, they they don't want to be in a part of the show, you know, they can't just enjoy being entertained at, yeah. they want to no, be they, they involved. Want
2: to be there. And they think And the, and the tough bit is when people think they're helping and you'd be blown away. How many people say that after a show, a heckler, like whether you put them in their, their place or not, they're like, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I just thought I was helping the show. Well, I don't <laughs> need like, your help. It's, not. It's, it's not, this is not a fucking a dialogue. This is a monologue. I'm talking it's to you. Like, it's What's
0: someone, I'm asking someone
2: you? going to like, your like li- an intimate, like rock show and like bringing a cowbell and just intermediate. <laughs> like smashing it. yeah. it's like I thought I was helping. It's just like, ding, 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 <laughs> ding. So you're like, no, that was, we did not need more cowbells. Yeah, as I say, no. Will
1: Ferrell said that you needed more cowbells. Exactly. So that's like
2: literally what it's like. It's like someone just banging a cowbell in the middle of your set. And you're just like, come on. But, um, luckily I, I, I have only had like, you know, we all have hell gigs, no matter what you're doing, and I haven't had that many. But yeah, the something about golf. I should just avoid golf. <laughs> golf is not good
0: for you. It's bad.
1: No. Prime rib. I think. I think on on your next uh, podcast, you should absolutely make prime, prime rib. Yeah, hundred
0: percent. I was actually going to ask, like, what you said that 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 the part of the premise of the show is that the crowd fucks with you while you're, you're trying to mess you up, right? So right. how do they just say like like what are, what are they how do they fuck with you like do they just talk shit are they are they heckling are you just setting up a lot of hecklers are they telling you instructing you to do something different or not be able to use something or.
2: Well, it went into the. <laughs> Stick the, your head in the oven. Chop like, ah, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> your finger <laughs> off. I'm not doing that. Those are the rules. I signed a waiver. Put <laughs> a sock in your mouth and they don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> and one of the, the nuts and bolts of the show that I had to, to work out and it took me a few shows is like, I didn't know how to make money with the show. You know, obviously, like we're all out of work and I didn't know how to figure that out. So, the, what I thought would be the best is like invite people to come for free and mm-hmm. then see if I can come up with ways that if people want to contribute to the show or that they can. So the way that I did that was coming up with different tiers that people could send in via like Venmo or PayPal. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of those tiers were like challenges. So it ranged it. So you can participate in the show, everything from like shout outs to I read like birthday messages to, um, so it's yeah. kind of like a live Patreon almost uh, like uh, slash Patreon cameo. supporter for like podcasts. slash
0: cameo. So yeah. <laughs> Meredith happy 30.
2: 30- <laughs> 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 yeah. It's, it's, but there is like an instant gratification that people get. And, you know, so you're watching kind of like people watch from all over the place from Europe to Mexico or wherever, but they know if they send something in that like I'll read their message or do their challenge. And so it makes it, uh, makes the show like live and in the moment and so to answer your question like there's different challenges that i set up before the show and they're specific to the theme Mm -hmm. everything from like um i bought one of the funniest things i did my neighbors didn't like it um i bought a recorder like that you play in elementary school (laughs) yeah (laughs) I, i would play like recorder songs uh while trying to like cook i think i was trying to cook you know, pesto pasta or something. So uh, you know, if someone if they pick a challenge, they can pick I want you to do the recorder and then I'll I'll do that. And mm-hmm. but there's a million different things. Eat the world's hottest chocolate I did. Oh um, well, we know about yeah. we know about hot things. We did the stupid one chip challenge. I've done tons of chips. I all I can't even tell you the spicy chips i did do you do the
0: one chip? Don't do the one don't just, the pack do, the do not do one chip one.
2: No, no, I
1: have no, no, no. it. Yeah
0: I have it here. Don't eat it. The
1: 2021
0: version, man. Do not. <laughs> please, I, we, we, please don't. <laughs> so it was his brilliant fucking idea that we it do was. this stupid thing at the beginning of the show and not at the end. So we eat it. It, we had to stop the podcast for like 20 minutes so that we could like eat bread and drink milk and shit and to do it something. That that, it was, yes, it was. I'm probably underselling it. It was the worst thing I've ever done. It was horrible. <laughs> and then I said, uh, my stomach hurt uh it, 18, 18 times, times we counted the it, I have a counter that, because <laughs> and it was like just in, like in the middle of a sentence i'd be like you're just watching the the, the slow pain. deterioration
1: of two grown men over uh, a podcast um <laughs> it was it, was it was brutal and it wasn't it wasn't that it was so hot but after about 20 minutes it literally starts to like gut you from away. the inside yeah, yeah. The,
2: your body can't handle it it I, was i mean I, tremendously a a lot a lot of spicy stuff that's been a recurring theme but then we also do fun like things that are a little bit more like i don't know just like goofy i guess or silly and like one of them i do is called uh blind picassos where i blindfold myself and i draw i do drawings Mm -hmm. um so you'll say i want you to draw my son playing baseball at fenway park and then i'd have like two minutes to blindfold myself with markers i draw it and then i mail it to them the next day so like there's (laughs) There's all That's these awesome. really crappy artworks. Around oh, the country. I can't imagine. Are you, are you a good artist to
0: begin with? Or is no, this like, so Oh, so, <laughs> so it's, it's worse because so, you're blind and you have a timer going.
1: I gonna say so, NFT, so NFT, NFT, <laughs> NFT, those motherfuckers. <laughs> they're one of so one.
2: bad. <laughs> but, um, uh, some other, uh, I'm trying to think of some other funny things. This was a funny one. that actually kind of backfired. Someone actually got mad. Um, so I did one where I would do a, uh, a secret, I would write a secret admirer letter and send it to whoever you want to with no return address. <laughs> so like some woman was like, Oh yeah, send a secret admirer to this guy or whatever. So I sent it out and I put like lipstick on it and like, they got in a massive fight about it. That's uh, but it's was like this long letter about meeting at the supermarket, but everything was like very vague about how they met. And I said, signed your secret admirer, mailed it off and sprayed my girls. Like perfume on <laughs> it. you want it, it really funny. Oh, that's so, awesome. We've done some funny stuff on the on the show um, outside of like the eating challenges, but um, trying to cook with like tiny hands, uh, different outfits and costumes. And well, all how, do do, of, what, what, how do you do? Like, what do you like? Pla- like, a like the way? tiny plastic hands? Tiny is, like, plastic uh, hand
0: Oh okay. no! Fuck, that's so that's funny.
1: Really hard. No, he just grabbed a little person. Yeah, he's like, he's like just, yeah. got his all kind in his
0: arms. Hey, <laughs> I, Let I, me down.
2: I, <laughs> I love the the show. is really fun because it's every show is different. It's it's uh, gets the. Um, you know, the audience is part of the show. We did a a taste funny weekend in New York city in August. So we had uh, like a hundred of the top, um, you know, fans of the show come into New York and we did a whole weekend. We did 15 events in three days from the friars club. We did events. We did a live version of the show podcast. We did a jiggy and Joe and robes. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was great. It was like the highlight of, it was kind of the icing of the cake of like coming up with this idea for the show during the pandemic. Um, finding a little following for it and then having like the top hundred people all fly into New York. It was, it was, um it was great. It was, it really was special.
0: That's awesome. You also did um fringe, the fringe festival, right? Over in,
2: in Ireland, the uh, in London. Yeah. London, I mean London. The, yeah. Sorry. You yeah. I did. Uh, that was a few years ago. The, and that was, that was pretty wild. I, I that was the first time I ever performed in the UK. And I, I didn't know if anyone would, be there but we ended up selling out a little theater there and it was like so fun the british people are like their sense of humor is so much different so um we had a blast that's gonna ask, really was, the,
0: was the crowd that's awesome <laughs> of course was it, so when you say the crowd's very different like their sense of humor like i've heard that from many comics like they digest jokes more as opposed to just like yes. being rocuous with their laughter right
2: yeah they they uh, there's there's like um there's a tone in the room that like you kind of like sense they're like go darker. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> Make right. it more weird. You yeah. know, and so it's like <laughs> any kind of like weird, obscure bit or like uh anything, like they just they just wanted you to dive right into it. Where it's it's different. Um also like the folks in the UK, like they're true like fans, you know, like they mm-hmm. they don't mind having the separation from like the entertainer to the to the fan. You know, they, they want to be a true fan. Uh, and they're, you know, they want to buy the merch. They want to have the signs and where like in the States, it's more like they want is people, they want to be your friend, you know, like right. when you get, when you get close to an audience, like they want to be your friend where in the UK it's like, they, they just want to be your fan. They want to that's sit. Interesting. Want to, that's very, that's, 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 that's the person. first time I've heard that's really cool. Like, because
0: that's kind of what, I mean, I'm, I'm sure too, it's kind of what you want. If you're, if you're performing, you don't want people coming up like, it, not because you don't necessarily want to be their friend, but that was not your intention. When you came there, you came there to do a job, <laughs> you get off the stage, you may say, Oh, you want to take a picture with me. Cool. But you know, it's gotta be, have you had that where like someone comes in, like now is glomming onto you and talking to you forever after a show. And you're just like, get me the fuck out of here. Uh,
2: it, it happens more than you think. I, I, it, happened, <laughs> it happened like a couple of right. weeks ago where I did a show and uh, I had a show in this, um, a girl came up to me and I have no, I just don't know who she is. And, but she was talking to me. Like I, it could have been someone that I went to high school with. Oh man. I have no idea, but I was That's like, I, I don't know. I don't have any references for yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Do
0: you remember that time we were at Larry's parents house and they were
2: out of town and, we, and you're like, <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't well, know who Larry she's, is. she's saying all these inside jokes and stuff. She's calling me melon balls. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, uh, now I know right now. She's a lifeguard. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Well, we had a situation when when we were in our band and we were starting to blow up, and we played CBGB's oh. <laughs> when it was well, bef- before it closed down, and we had literally were in the middle of the first song of our set, and this guy loved us so much that he literally got up in the middle of us playing, was it's trying true. to hand us pot, like, like while we're on stage, He's like, like, I'm like, like when, when it was really illegal.
0: It's like, I'm a, <laughs>
1: no, man. Yeah. This was pre when it was yeah. all legal and all that stuff. So we're like, this dude's just trying to hand us drugs in the middle of our set. We're like, dude, well, we can talk to you afterwards. Yes, Get on don't the stage. To do
0: this. I'm performing now. That's, a, that's a, how effective our, our music was. I guess so. the first song we're all, we're, they're throwing drugs <laughs> on stage. Oh my, it's holy great. Shit.
1: But I, I can imagine that having that experience as a comedian is, is a lot more like alarming, uh, you know, especially if you're, cause it's just you, you know, you're,
2: it's just you're you. You, that's you, the biggest thing.
1: I, I, I imagine it's a, a somewhat off-putting, especially
2: if somebody is really, really into it or really aggressive. Uh yeah, well it's also you just don't have like you said, you don't have anyone to defer to. Like right. you can't be like, go talk to the bassist. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the drummer looks lonely, <laughs> goes having a conversation with him. It's like just you. So sometimes that's uh is a little tricky, but uh I, I, I put myself in situations where I, I want to kind of like I, I want to meet the people after the show. I, I like I like that. I'm in I'm in no position that like I think I'm Bigger than that, I'm not. So anytime that I can, I'll, I'll I like to go out and meet meet people for the shows, and um, I think that's an important part of it. But yeah. you know, there's some people who just don't aren't good with social yeah. social cues, <laughs> whether they're at the Burger King or at my sh- show. I don't think it's a matter of me. I think it's more like I think this person is not good at talking in general. Yes. You know? Yes,
0: this is is an all-the-time thing. This isn't just with you. This is an all-the-time thing.
2: It's happening to me for 15 minutes, but it's happening to them all the time. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Well, you see, like, some comedians who embrace it, like Burt Kreischer.
0: Yeah.
1: Who will, like, invite the entire crowd to the bar and then, like, go out drinking with them. But then his counterpart, his best friend Tom Segura, wants... Nothing to do with that. Like he wants fuck all to do yes, with people like, approaching him after me. after the show. I, so it's like it's it's a. I imagine it's a it's a tough dynamic to to juggle when people want to be your fans, but it's a little little bit much, little bit much. Yeah. But the humbleness part of it that you talk about is something that I mean we love to we hear that too that. because we've had interactions with people who have every right to be, uh, you know. Very rock ish or famous ish, and super aren't, and yeah. are very humble and very accommodating to people that you know. A lot of people in their situations might not be. So when you say you like you like that, you like to you know want to know people and and know the people that are your fans. That's really cool. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, we um we uh, I think that we've had like. lot of luck with the people that we've had on this show so far because i think they've all kind of felt i I haven't felt that way like every person that we've got to every artist that we've talked to whether it's an author or musician or a comic we've had lots of comics on everyone's just really gracious and and nice and again humble like i think that everyone's just realizing that you know it's it's uh it's an honor to be able to do that for like to do that for a living i wish that i could just do this for a living. You know what I mean? Like it's cool that you get to do that. I'm envious of
2: you and your melon balls. Give <laughs> 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 me the name of my next album. <laughs> exactly. Oh uh, man. Shit. All
0: right. Well, Hey man, uh, we don't want to keep you too, too late here. So um, go see uh jiggy. At the Moxie Hotel in the East Village on Thursday, October the 21st, the New York Comedy Club at Grand Mercy on October the 22nd, and with Myrrh at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut on October 28th. And go check out for the love of What guy. about frankincense? Oh, Myrrh. You're going to get one on the end of this. Morning. Waka Waka. Yeah. <laughs> that was not the way I wanted to end this.
1: Uh,
2: Make it more weird. Who are you? We are three
0: wise men. What? We are three wise men. Well, what are you doing creeping out a car shed at two o'clock in the morning? That doesn't sound very wise to me.
2: We are astrologers. We have come from the east.
0: Is this some kind of joke? We wish to praise the infant. We must pay homage to him. Homage? You're all drunk. It's disgusting. Ass. Come on out! No, burst him but... here with tales about oriental fortune tellers! Come on out! No, no, we must see him! Go and pray someone else's is back! Go oh, on! We were led by a star! Led by a bottle, more I like. go on out! Well, we must see him! We have brought presents! Out! Gold, frankincense, myrrh! Well, why didn't you say he's over there? Sorry the place is a bit of a mess.
2: Uh, anyway, go go
0: check out Jiggy's <laughs> podcast uh, Tastes Funny, go see him uh, at the Friar Club Go check him out with all the things he does The Impractical Jokers Thank you so much for joining Taking the Dome We really appreciate it Thanks that. brother, appreciate yeah, you.
2: Thank you guys, appreciate it